All right. Well, hello again, and welcome to another Wednesday briefing. Uh, I hope everybody's having a great week. Uh, you're getting as much sun as you can in in this uh, dark season that we're kind of coming into. If you do have sun, it's been a while since we had sun. I feel like, but probably just a few days ago. It's been pretty. Um, yeah, it's been pretty dreary and, and drab here as well. So, and only only really for a couple of days here. But it's just it when when it gets that fall, dark gray, it really feels like it's a lot. The days are a lot longer. So even if you ha- if even if we had sun three days ago, it feels like it was a week mm, ago. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and and especially with the with the um the day being so short as well. Like I've I've noticed even in the I work in a design studio a couple of days a week, and I've noticed getting up in the mornings, and because it's like. It's only two days a week. I notice a big difference in the the previous week when I got up. So it's not like every morning, like mm-hmm. I get up for work. It's like twice a week or this particular studio that I have to get up uh, early. And it's I've really noticed the uh, the mornings are getting darker uh, or it's taking longer of for the course. sun to come up. Yeah. But um, today or whenever you're listening to this, but uh, when it does come out, it's going to be October 19th, which means that next week's episode is going to be the 26th, which is the Halloween week. And as many of you know, or if you don't know, Halloween is one of my favorite holidays. And how about we do a Halloween episode where we tell some fucking old school ghost stories? Sounds good. Yeah. I I, I love hearing a, yeah. I love hearing a ghost story, especially camping related ones, because I think there's an inherent sort of fear that we all have sometimes. And it creeps up on us as no matter how many times you go out camping by yourself or how many times you've been out in the woods, there's always that niggling little thing in the back of your head. So I want to know, does anybody have any freaky stories? Maybe uh, you know someone who's had a really weird encounter in the woods, or maybe you've met someone weird in the woods, or maybe, I don't know. Like, I'm sure out of the hundreds of people that listen to this podcast, you got it. you guys got to have some scary stories for us. And I would love to hear from them. So if you have any, please get them into me. Uh, you can either email me at the trial by fire podcast at Gmail. Uh, obviously, you can message me on Instagram, as a lot of people do. Or you can contact us through our website, which is just trialbyfire.net. And I think next week we'll read out the scariest ones. Uh, I think that'd be a bit of fun. I uh, do like that. I mean, I don't have any. Uh, I do not like scary stuff. <laughs> really? So, uh, no, no. Mm. I uh, I have no interest in scary movies. I don't have any interest in that. Like I I do like good stories, uh-huh. but good stories are something completely different than horror. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes oh, sense. Oh no, definitely. Like horror is a totally different thing than sort of psychological thriller or scary stories and things. I mean, Elish uh, and I were constantly looking for good like scary podcasts or movies. It's mm-hmm. a perpetual hunt for good quality stuff. And in, in even within my family, there's a bunch of, of, of ghost stories, uh, not necessarily outdoors ones or camping ones, but uh, there's a bunch of scary ones uh, that my dad has in particular. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. For, for whatever reason, he seems to be particularly uh, sensitive to these kind of things or like sort of pick up on these weird vibes off things. Uh, but anyway, slightly off topic. But yeah, if you guys have any scary stories for us, let us know. And we, I would love to read them out in next week's episode. I think it'd be really fun. And thanks for the feedback off last week's episode. It, it was a yeah. slightly meandering one, wasn't it? It was kind of, I, I, I found it 
Yeah, it is. It is. It is hard to sort of figure it out without getting too specific mm. on a couple of things or one skill set or one uh, sort of other activity that you might be doing that might be beneficial. Because talking about defining whatever bushcraft is is such a broad subject and it's so it's so personal for everyone and what you want right. to take into it and yeah. which avenues you want to take. Yeah, I mean, as we we kind of spoke about last week, it is personal for everybody, but I think the definition of it is also very hard to sort of nail down. And actually, um, I just do, do want to reference, actually, there was a, a bit of feedback from one of our patrons, uh, Morgan Williams, uh, who's very active in, in the Patreon and is always kind of commenting on things and stuff. And he turned me on to this video, uh, which I'll put in the description of this episode, the YouTube video, very short. I think it's about four minutes by Karamat Wilderness Ways. I think they're based in the US. And essentially, it was like a little dia- Venn diagram kind of summarizing a little bit on how somebody might compartmentalize the different skills within the sort of remit of bushcraft. And the Venn diagram, as people know, it's three circles and they all converge into the middle. And uh, uh, just very briefly, like uh, you guys can watch the video, but it is interesting. But very briefly, it seems like they've kind of separated the three circles into sort of primitive uh, technology, sort of fanatics um more like survival sort of weekend types of people and then on the and the other one then is more like the reenactment sort of classic camping sort of thing and they differentiate the skills into types of materials that they mm-hmm. that they that those participants would sleep under the way in which they choose to light the fire and uh, and what sort of skills they kind of try and focus on and they all converge into bushcraft skills in some way shape or form but but they all have different like so yeah. like for example the sort of the survival sort of yeah experiential people they might sleep under synthetic nylon sort of uh shelters whereas the reenactment classic campers peoples they might sleep under canvas and they'll use flint and steel um so it's an interesting take on the the range of uh, people that do get into the outdoors and the, and the kind of skill set that's involved there so i will put a link in that video uh, or a link to that video in the in the uh, description of this episode so have a look at that and um, so thanks morgan for your feedback on that did you have any thoughts on that one yeah, I uh, I have seen this video before. It's an old video. It was filmed in 2012 um, during a wood smoke gathering in the US, it seems like. And the, the person that is sort of um, showing this diagram is Tim, Tim Smith from Jack Mountain Bushcraft. And he has a fantastic podcast and what it seems like a fantastic school as well. Um, so you should definitely have a look at the stuff that he's doing but the the diagram is done by a guy called Stuart Goring a uh, British guy uh, that th- this is what Tim Smith is being uh, what he refers to when he's talking about this so it's not um, his invention necessarily but it is 100% worth having a look at it is a very simple breakdown of mindset rather than trying to get too complicated in defining what it is. Right. I mean, it's not really touching on the sort of phil- philosophical side of things, which is, I, I suppose, what we were attempting to do last week, but it's on a very, very practical level. 
in a sort of a definition sort of mindset, mm-hmm. I guess it works really, really well. Um, yeah. 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 Really nice and really nice contribution to there's a lot the of, conversation. There's a lot of good comments underneath the video as well of how people are interpreting it and um, what it means to them. So that's definitely worth a read through and also check out what sort of uh, Tim Smith is doing. Cool. Yeah. Great. And and thanks, Morgan, for kind of turning me on to that stuff because I, I, I hadn't seen it before. Um, but before we kick into today's topic, I just wanted to let you guys all know that the that our new series on Patreon uh, has just started. Um, last week or the last kind of couple of weeks, we've been covering knives and been getting some really, really nice feedback from that stuff. Um and we've decided, well, we haven't decided, we we have started looking at axes now. So the next two episodes, or three maybe, we're not sure yet uh, how, how detailed or deep dive we're going to get into this, but um, the next sort of series on Patreon is all about uh, axes, and we've recorded the first episode uh, so far, um, and that, will, that, that came out today, actually, uh, or yesterday, if you're listening to this on the Wednesday. I mean, we 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 kind of talked a little bit about uh, why you might carry an axe in kind of bushcraft terms, how it can complement your knife. Uh, we also discussed some edge geometry, uh, geometry, and a bit of the anatomy of the tool itself and the different shapes and sizes that you're likely to come across in bushcraft. So yeah, what are we talking about today, man? Today we were we we, we were we are going to continue a little bit on the peripheral skills, sort of theme but we're gonna narrow it down a little bit to one thing that both of us really do enjoy and hold close to our hearts and that is um slöjd that's it as it's called in swedish however you decide to pronounce it in another language is up to you but i learned recently that it comes from the word slöjd in swedish as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah, exactly. So for anybody who's unfamiliar with this term, it is spelled S-L-O-Y-D, sloyd, I guess you could say in English. Um, and yeah, the, the word itself is a derivative of the Swedish word. Um, for my money, like alongside hunting and fishing, I think sloyd is probably one of the most versatile and valuable categories in a sort of a sphere of bushcraft skills and something that you should really kind of investigate if you're looking to round out uh, a bushcraft skill set. I I definitely agree, I agree with that. Like it is, because slurred in its own uh, encompass so many different things. And what it seems like from my per my personal perspective is that when people are talking about slurred in English and sort of um, talking about what it means and things like that, it's mostly woodworking mm-hmm. more than anything else. Uh, yeah. But in in in, in uh, Sweden and how it's been historically and how it's still being taught in school, um, or at least when I went to school, is that you have textile slöjd and trä och metall, which mm-hmm. translates to uh, textile yep. uh, slöjd, and then wood and metal. Yeah. So these are things that you learned in in school. So slöjd as a as a subject is any handcraft basically. That you can do that serves a it can of, it can of course be a purpose of uh, of just being beautiful, but 
traditionally uh, of need in your household or when you're out and about usefulness and, and so it's it's yeah. it's it's creating beautiful objects for the home that are useful and there's also i think a subcategorization of slide and then hem slide which basically translates into home crafts and again that's like and and the thing about this right and i think is really interesting is that slide uh, has been a subject in swedish schools since the 1800s and it's mandatory and everybody does it in sweden um you learn woodwork, you learn textiles, you learn, as you said, sewing, embroidery, knitting, crochet, all of these different things. And you're you kind of I think the way in which that, that it works is that they you do for half the year, you do like the hard skills, the the, the uh, woodwork and the metalwork and stuff. And then the other half of the year, you do those sort of hemsloid skills, which are the traditionally called soft skills, which are the the uh, yeah, the knitting and the and sort of crocheting and things. And what I think is so beautiful about it is that it's almost a given in Sweden and Denmark and Finland and Norway, but like in the rest of the world, like I would love to have had this as a kid and I didn't. And it just, it just shows you uh, like, and you, it's a, I think it does a real reflection of the culture of it here in the North um, based on the way in which adults approach things like knives and you know, axes and things that they're not these scary, sharp objects that their kids need to avoid. They're like useful tools around the house that, you know, they've been, they grew up with and they're very normal. Uh, it's very much like a normalizing sort of thing. Um, having really ex like, you know, extremely sharp knives around. And I think that's a really nice, uh, sort of side tangent yeah. of this, but, um, but I definitely think it's worth mentioning that not everybody has this relationship with outdoor tools like the way the the north uh, people of the of the northern countries does the uh, just just a clarification like hemslöjd is not uh, doesn't define soft skills or anything like that so hemslöjd is basically a different word oh, okay. of uh slöjd in general of creating of creating uh, what's called um utensils whether it's in wood metal uh fabric knitting a hat or whatever so the soft material slurred would be textile so textile gotcha slurred. gotcha so okay. slurred is sort of whatever you do for your home uh, and slurred is just the shorter term of that i guess now that's interesting i mean i first came across the word slurred actually not in the bushcraft world but it was when when i was writing my my dissertation in college actually um, way before I got into bushcraft back, I don't know, what is it, 15 or so years ago now when I graduated, maybe not quite that, but quite a long time ago. Um, I was doing my dissertation on Ikea and how their sort of national identity, like being so typically Swedish as a company, informed like their business models. So everything from their politics to their kind of social hierarchy, um, artistic and cultural histories and stuff and then that term sloyd started come popping up in all the books that i was reading and then there's a there's a couple of specific aims here that i'm just going to read out really quickly that i when i was looking it up so in sweden in schools the specific aims of the sloyd curriculum are about developing the ability to create and design self-made products in different materials about expressing cultural and aesthetic values about managing hand tools and materials but it also aims to develop the students' kind of practical knowledge and their ability to solve practical problems through knowledge of different working processes 
as well as how to evaluate results of their own work during the production process and trying out different ways to handle specific tools or materials or by choosing alternative tools and materials. For me, that that sounds like troubleshooting, which is something that we do very often in the bushcraft world. Let's say, for example, uh, we were carving or we were building like a, a friction fire kit. You know, um, we have a, we have our set of very basic tools, and with that, we have to create a another tool that allows us to create fire. And through a sort of a process of troubleshooting okay my ember isn't quite falling in the right place okay my uh, bow isn't quite tight enough or whatever it might be we we kind of instinctually sort of start troubleshooting and i think the thing about sloyd is that uh as a mindset it kind of develops that yeah yeah definitely i uh, very much agree i uh, sort of think about it a lot in terms of all the th- all the small crafty things that you do, even if you're gonna put up a uh, shelter, whatever it is, is to sort of understanding which properties certain pieces of wood have and materials. So, for example, if we use sloyd as an example, there are better and worse materials to use for a spoon, for example, or a ladle, or whatever it is. Everything works. Um, but just as anything, there are grades to what is good and better. So understanding that and then being able to troubleshoot of like, all right, this didn't work for whatever reason. Could it be the properties of the wood? Could it be the structure of the grains in the wood? Could it be, there's, you can go so far in this, in, in how you want to troubleshoot it, but just to have that and get that knowledge in multiple different disciplines is valuable because it might be hard to understand how um or might be hard it might be you you it might be longer uh what is it called what's the word i'm looking for it might be longer time before you figure out why certain woods split in certain ways if you're not really into for example uh, spoon carving because there you need to be so up and close and personal or with that piece of material that you're working with you'll fairly quickly see is it green wood how does it split if if the grains are a little bit wonky will it split clean will it split straight and then being able to take that up into uh, sourcing firewood for your campfire Mm. for example is it worth trying to split this big log with this big knot further down or should you just put the log in itself on the fire right right away because from this small scale of trying to split a blank out for a spoon you had this problem but if you put in a bigger scale where the log is all of a sudden 30 centimeters wide and a big knot further down you know like there's so much so much you can take from each of these disciplines yeah for sure and and you know again like there, there, there are some really good examples of how sloyd and bushcraft can kind of uh kind of coalesce um did you like did you like sloyd when you were a kid i imagine you probably did like did you ever see that this would be valuable to you in your sort of your adult life or was this just like a subject that you had to kind of drudge through in order to get through um, the day none of those uh things are 
right, I guess, for how I uh, interpreted it. I, I don't think I thought about it being something valuable for me at that age. Because we started with it in say, mm-hmm. third grade, I think. I'm, I might be might be wrong here. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but at a at a fairly young age, and at that time, like I I I personally I did not have like like this is something that's going to be good for me in the future. But I also definitely did not think mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it was a boring uh, subject. It was a fantastic break mm-hmm. to have uh, in the middle of the day when you were in school. Whether it was textile or woodworking or metalworking, it didn't necessarily matter. But just the fact that purely from like a school perspective now, being able to break up the day of doing something that is very practical, it's nice. It's very, very nice. But just from like reflecting, reflecting back on it, I, I think that there's a lot of stuff that I've gained from having to have that and having to have projects that you need to finish and sort of show that you understand how a lathe works, for example, or a bandsaw works, or like I think in seventh grade or something like that, we made our own knives from blanks. And that was everything from yeah, making the handle to the sheath, so a wooden lower and then a leather upper. And that's something that you, of course, you could you could take back home and and uh, looking back at it, it's it, it's it's great knowledge to have. It's Absolutely. great knowledge to have as an understanding of how material behave when it's being uh, when when you put pressure onto it. Yeah, I mean, just to have a very practical understanding or feeling for that, like how that feels. I mean, I think a lot of people are uh, around the world are pretty jealous of the sort of the north the nordic countries in general in terms of like their education system and and their kind of general sort of um roundedness i guess for want of a better word of sort of um the way in which the kids kind of come out of school that they have some practical skills that they have they they almost come out of school almost like uh industry ready in a lot of ways like at least ready for apprenticeships which is definitely not the case in a lot of countries um and and i mean it's no wonder that people are so used to knives and saws and axes in the north because everyone has to have used them um from a very young age i mean i I would never have used any of those things beyond maybe my dad's saw or hammer or something that i would find in the workshop or you know in the in the uh the kind of toolbox or anything like that but um I think it's great, and I'd love to know because obviously we've got a, peop- a lot of people listening from the Nordics uh, on this podcast. I'd love to know what you guys, what your experiences were in school with Sloyd, whether you liked it or whether you hated it, or whether you ever thought that it would be useful to you, or or did it even inspire your bushcraft journey? I mean, I wonder is there anybody out there that kind of got into this from from school days and kind of pursued it from there that it was sparked. Um, from that young of an age, so I would love to know. Um, but but the yeah, that would be very interesting for sure, right? I think I'm sure there's definitely people out there that hook up Sloyd in school and then was like, you know what, this is cool, man. I'm going to continue this, and uh, I think that's lovely because, I mean, you can take you can take woodwork in Irish schools at like went from like the age of fourteen, 
uh, up until you leave school. But I mean, at that point, and it's and it's an optional subject as well. It's not you would choose. It's like choose woodwork or like a science subject. You know that kind of way. It's not a. It would never have been sort of a mandatory part of your education, which is a bit of a shame. But what's um, what's your relationship to Sloyd and bushcraft? What sort of uh, parallels can you draw? Um, well, I guess the only thing I can really think of, or not the only thing, but the main one is is the spoon carving. And uh, as I said, like I came across the term in college when I was doing my dissertation. Uh, and then it came up again uh, when I got into spoon carving. And definitely spoon carving is is a skill that, um, or carving in general, I think is a skill that can really, that in and of itself could be a really nice episode at some point. Or I was just thinking about this uh, today. And I mean, the soft skills, I think, often get missed out as well because, or not soft skills, but the, yeah, maybe, maybe it is the soft skills, like the sewing, the repair. The tech, textile. textiles. Yeah. Because I feel like they take a back seat when it comes to the, the kind of the the woodcraft skills and things that we kind of fetishize as bushcraft outdoor enthusiasts. In my mind, the textile stuff has just as important a place to play in rounding out a bushcraft skill set as does woodworking skills. So like sewing, for example, being able to repair your kit. I think that's such a big one. And like. We spoke about it a few weeks ago, like the best way you can combat like needless consumerism is like repairing your own kit or better skill, better still even making it from scratch, you know, repurposing old pieces of material into new things. I mean, what a cool skill set to have. What an ability, what a like a sort of a a liberating sort of skill set to have where you can have some old pieces of bivy bag lying around and know that you could make a smock out of it. Like that's about as bushcraft as it gets, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. I um that I I also think that there's so much value in you don't have to be a a really good seamstress or even a good wood carver or anything like that it's more about understanding the process the reason for why certain threads might be better for certain types of material and certain woods being for better for certain types of utensils or uh, why this type of stitch might be better for your glove compared to just a little hole in your knee on your pants or why this cutting technique when you're making a, a spoon is better over something else. So understanding these things, you don't have to be a, a professional in any any capacity, but understanding them will give you a lot of worth in a lot of other things that you're doing when you're out whether that is i don't know carving a pointy stick uh, or making making a basket or repairing your backpack or whatever it is there's there's a lot of value in spending some time studying and understanding uh the textile part of crafting as well as the metal and wood part i agree i agree actually i was only tonight when i was doing a bit of research for this episode a friend of mine sean tillett in the uk i'm not sure if you know him um but he started taking up the craft uh as very specific uh it's an old craft it's called noah binding which i guess kind of yeah 
it kind of uh i guess for direct translation it's like needle binding um and it predates traditional knitting actually as far as i was looking and it was used by the vikings and the oldest examples goes back to like i think it was like 6000 or 6500 bc or something and that's a i mean that's somebody who i'm friends with through sort of the the spoon carving community and he started doing this nola binding thing um which i had never heard of and it's it looks really cool it's like it's like predates traditional knitting and in my opinion you know why is that not just as important a skill as being able to tan a hide or being able to nap flint or being able to you know whatever yeah. but each to their own like it's not about uh, saying that something is right or something is wrong it's just there is a lot of value for understanding um living materials such as wool or wood or whatever it is that you're using for your outdoor experience and that venn diagram uh, applies here quite well is it more reenactment is it more like uh, indigenous knowledge is it more uh, modern survival uh, things that you're into all of those combined can you can you can you can use understanding Slowed from different aspects is valuable in all of those categories no matter what you do you're right all right guys well let us know what you think of that if that is a, a skill set that you feel like uh, you enjoyed um when you were in school or if there's anything else that we didn't uh, cover on this that it falls under the slow category really interested to know um but until next week Take care. Bye-bye, guys. Yeah, take care, guys.